interrupt our program to bring you this important message. This is not a drill. This is an emergency. You knew the world would not be the same. Few people laughed. Few people cried. Most people were silent. I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. You know, the way that people engage on the idea of of politics or, or and religion it makes you wonder um, where the push for for moral moral relativism or just morality and moralism on its on its own started um yeah, i guess you could look back to when the church was running the government it was basically the you know parliamentary arm of the government. But I suspect it goes back further than that. You have to, in order to rule over a people, in order to have a people that are willing to sacrifice themselves for your power, you have to place yourself up as if you are a god. And there's a long, long history of pharaohs and dictators demanding worship. Caesar did it. Um, and And... It conflates the idea of morality with legality. But what happens when the morality of some don't don't align? with the morality of others. What happens when they feel like so much is at stake that they must carry out these insane or or over-the-top type of acts in order to force their morality onto the government. 
when they believe that the government is an out-of-control, tyrannical government, capable and willing to do the most atrocious things to people. Then these people, and I'll refer to them as true believers, get become insurgents. They begin acting in ways that are terroristic to the society at large in order to pressure or pursue their ideal. And the reason I call them true believers is because they truly believe that the acts that they're involved in are for the greater good, that they have some higher calling and that they are acting in a benevolent way And one of the things I always shy away from, and I say always shy away from, I can't say I always shy away from it. Well, one of the things I try not to involve myself in is, is, is discussing political ends or, or, um, just the subjects themselves from a p- position of morality. And the reason I don't like to discuss things from a position of morality is because in many ways, moral judgments are, are subjective judgments. Um, many different people have many different sets of, of moral values within themselves one size fits all set of moral values. And I was talking to Michael Harris the other day um, online and he had brought up um, a phrase that he refers to all the time. And And the phrase means that there are a set of laws or or values that every person basically follows the majority of their life you know, murder theft things that that create victims that leave victims and th- <clears throat> and then there are crimes that the state recognizes as crimes and these would be basically crimes against the state whether it's tax evasion or or prostitution or any of these things that typically on their face on their do not create uh, a victim and the argument one should make is, is always if your daughter or I myself 
or your son or somebody you knew, somebody you were close to were caught participating in this one act. No, whichever crime against the state it is. Do, do you believe they should be locked in a cage? And if so, for how long and why? The Bastia in in the law, he he did a really great job of breaking this down and and discussing how just because something is legal doesn't make it moral, and just because it's illegal doesn't make it immoral. Um, Robert Higgs has some quotes about this as well, <coughs> but when you when you begin to speak about law in such a way that it's it has religious connotations it's almost evangelical or there's an orthodoxy to it in which you're you're discussing it in a moral versus immoral ver- instead of legal versus illegal way you run into these true believers. These people that are willing to do anything for what they consider is the greater good of mankind. So the other day in Tacoma, Washington, one of these true believers attempted to blow up an ICE detention center during a protest against ICE. And uh, it appears that this man, 69 years old, went into this fully aware that he was not going to come out alive. This was suicide by cop. So he goes and he lights Molotov cocktails. He throws a few of them. He gets one. One of them explodes and catches a car on fire. Another, um, he he's throwing at propane tanks and he's trying to blow up these propane tanks. And uh, he's unsuccessful. And then he ends up getting shot by the police. I don't know if he returned fire to the police or not, but he ended up getting shot. And I read his manifesto just because I was interested who this guy was, what he thought he was trying to accomplish. And the morality, the moral aspect of what he, of how he was approaching this, just kept popping out to me. He used the word evil several times. He was, <coughs> excuse me, as you might expect, he was comparing the detention centers to the concentration camps of Nazi Germany. He referred to when he was growing up, 
and how he believed in the in World War II and the in the cause for which America was fighting. And he was a communist. He was referring he was referring to everybody as comrade and you know uh, he wanted to he wanted to start a violent revolution I guess in in some ways though he didn't really break that that part down this was more of a hey I see this and I got to take action and I'm not I'm probably not going to come back is, is basically what he was saying but he was laying out like his feelings on the on the entire thing and this would you could you could easily see how this could ignite the the revolutionary tendencies of a lot of communists and i find it very odd and <laughs> that that somebody who's adhering to to communism sees themselves as some sort of moral superior. There's nothing morally superior about, about communism. And it it's, it's funny whenever you read, you know, some of these people, the way that they talk and that the way that they approach the idea of fascism and, and they, are attacking this idea which on a lot of cases they're right but they attack it they attack fascism from as if they have the moral high ground and completely ignore that that communism has more victims by several times <laughs> you know i think we're talking somewhere around i don't know a hundred times as many victims if not more um probably not that much but still i mean you're talking it, what it what was a fascism killed around six million and which is you know that's the accepted narrative uh i don't know if that's completely correct i think it I think it was actually closer to 10, but everybody goes around saying 6 million. So let's just say they killed about 6 million and the communists killed hundreds of millions. And so it's, it's like, to me, it's weird when they, when somebody of that nature is coming from the moral high ground. And a lot of people are going to call this guy a terrorist. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, the technical definition of terrorism is using violence and terror to spread political means for, or for, for political means, I guess would be a better way. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that, but the U.S. government's also a terrorist organization. They use violence to promote their political agenda. Home and abroad. 
you know? Um, stop and frisk in, in New York is a perfect example. He said he wanted to end crime, and so they had to participate in stop and frisk. But he could have a way, another way uh, to attack crime is to make less things illegal. Yeah. You you got the, I I was reading an article yesterday and you have 6 million people in the United States locked in prison. About half of those are for, Acts that w- that left no victim whatsoever. So you're talking three million people locked up in prison for non-violent activities. In it, it seems insane when you look at it like that. 760 people per 100,000 are in prison in the United States. That's seven times more than the closest nation. Seven times more the prison population than the closest nation. That's insanity. Completely insanity. <clears throat> and and, and the, the whole way, moralism, morality has been used to push this agenda to ramp up this idea. So when you look at the stop and frisk, it, it was it more moral for them to arrest people for owning something that they did not approve of? To threaten these people with violence if they were to resist being frisked in the middle of the street? And for what? For political points. You got to look tough on crime. Therefore, you can get the vote. You got to get those police unions behind you. Audacity seems to be lagging on me a little bit. So that's why you are hearing some other noises in the background. So... Now you're in a situation where the most talked about of all subjects from a morality standpoint is immigration. And from the state's point of view, if you come across uh, that line without their permission, then you are an 
immoral perpetrator. You are a sinner in the eyes of the state. Yet, you have communists that support the most murderous regimes in history <clears throat> taking up arms and and suggesting that somehow fascism is worse it's a hell of a trick that that a person has to be able to play and manipulate themselves to to that extent and the only way that that trick can occur within a man's mind is if he believes that the lives that were lost were lost for the benefit of humanity and that these crusades were benevolent in their goal and their achievements. And you have to frame your ideology and your belief system around a religion. And that's really interesting to me. That people are so desperate for something to worship that they create these they create these false narratives in their head or these belief systems in their mind that they have to have this sort of faith in in something and and that that something is something that had, it came at such a great cost for so many people and just one century. I mean, we're talking the 20th century here. We were talking not that long ago when all these people were dying. <coughs> and it reminds me of how people view serial killers. And I can't get my mind wrapped around this but at some, for some reason for some reason people are obsessed with Ted Bundy and when I say obsessed I mean 
that when you ask somebody who one of the who the craziest serial killers of all time were, he's one of the first names that comes up. But he's not a a really difficult person. Um, when you look at him, we, I've listened to his confession or his tapes. Uh, they weren't really confessions, but I did listen to the tapes. All I really got from him was he was constructing these these false narratives in his head to make himself feel more secure about himself and and he ended up taking these narratives to the extreme and and murdered these women in order to own them. And I kind of get this, I feel the same whenever people talk about fascism, like, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to explain what happened there. It's not real difficult to explain what happened there. But to say that fascism is, is, is horrible. Or to say it, Ted Bundy is horrible. It's not to say that I should be letting Ed Gein off or communism off the hook. Yet these people look look at, at the world in such a binary way that in their minds, there's only two ideologies. You're either a fascist or you're a communist. That's it. There's no in-betweens for them. There's no room for nuance. There's no room for discussion. There's no room for thought. You either adhere to an ideology that I agree with, or you're evil. And if you're evil, you must be fascist. Because communism is God and fascism is the devil. And this is how they look at it. And this is the way that they approach these subjects. And I can't quite grasp how they, how they've gotten there. I just can't quite wrap my mind around how they get to there, like to that, that, that idea where you believe what I believe or you're evil. That is one of those things that I just, just don't make any sense to me. But what I see happening, and this is something that I've discussed in the past, I've said for many, many years that if, when the government gets so large and centralized on the federal level that a major, a a major number of people feel like they're having their autonomy 
in their voice taken from them, it's going to cause serious political. political unrest and that's how you get to a civil war <clears throat> sorry there's a little jump <clears throat> excuse me sorry there's a little jump there um I'll, I'll try to fix that but audacity froze up on me so i had to go back and start recording again um Yeah, so so these people Okay, so so the the centralization and the in the growth of the federal government has created the environment for these these types of quote unquote revolutionaries, the true believers to act out. And I try to, I try to think about it and, and all I can think of is if you truly believe that these people are about to set up death camps and commit genocide then do you have a choice but to act? I mean, if that's what your true belief is. But it's, I always wonder how they got there. And do I see some similarity? Yeah, yeah. Maybe to some extent, you know, um, it's not, you know, the, the immigrants that are being targeted are mainly Spanish speakers, you know, I'd be, I'd, I'd be, I think you'd probably be hard pressed to find any other, you know, group within there. So there, there are a lot of Hispanics. Um, for the most part, all of them are Hispanics. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there are some, some Muslims involved as well. Uh, maybe people from Syria or some of these other places that the United States have, has created so many refugees. <clears throat> But these, and in, okay, so there's, there's the case to be made that the, the rounding up of, of the Jews in, I said that really funny there, Jews, the rounding up of the Jews in, um, in Nazi Germany were, supposedly due to 
you know, their manipulation of the banks and, and, uh, they're, they're cheating other people. Um, basically there was this Adolf Hitler had this Bernie Sanders argument about the top 1% and the majority of those people were Jewish. So he was like, well, it's their fault. <clears throat> and he pursued it in such a way that he convinced the the German people that these that the one the top one percent of their country, the Jews were committing sins against the nation and that the nation was needing to be saved from these people. And so there's this whole commonality between every revolution and every revolutionary that they have to get to such a place of cognitive dissonance that they have to believe that their ideology is the one true ideology and that any ideology that disagrees is dangerous and evil. I don't think I've ever been able to think that way. I don't, I don't, I, I, that seems like such a simple minded way to approach anything that I don't think there's ever been a time I've been able to think that way. Even in at such a time whenever I was attending church and reading the Bible and studying, I don't think I ever felt superior, morally superior to the people around me in any way, shape, or form. In those people, the average people, they, they don't adhere to those types of simple-minded good versus evil forms of narrative. Yet we have people that really believe this. Committing suicide by cop. Attacking an ICE detention center. And it makes you wonder why people still defend the idea of the United States as one nation. Makes me wonder that at least. When when two people 
reach a point of no return in a relationship. A point in which they cannot work in congruence. They cannot stand to be in the same room together. They each think the other person is evil and that they are on the side of good. They get a divorce. Yet, when a nation is tearing apart at the seams due to the size and power that's been entrusted to its federal government to centralize power (coughs) and create the world's largest prison population ever People just want to ask it to take more power and fix itself. And it's not, I don't think it's because these people want to push their will upon you or force you to live a specific way. I think they are expecting or hoping that by voting for more power, that for, for pushing the government to take more power, that they're somehow going to bring order out of the chaos Now, the one thing that I have noticed since Trump became president is how they always frame him in in a a way that it appears that everything's in chaos around him. The White House is in chaos. He can't He can't keep officials working for him. They keep resigning. He keeps firing people. Yada, yada, yada. It's all chaos. He hadn't even filled the entire cabinet. Yada, 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 yada. But but I don't think not... I don't think that always says chaos. I think sometimes that says a lot of this shit's unnecessary. (laughs) Maybe these positions were never needed in the first place and this is ridiculous but for as dangerous as they say Trump is they continue to ask him to take more power let's think about this for a second if Trump really were a Nazi who's he going to hire other Nazis (laughs) he's not going to hire a communist because that's not how it works So when people are going around calling Trump fascist, which in some ways he is, the federal government has been fascist in many ways for many, many years. They call him, they say he he wants to be a dictator. Well, in some ways I agree with them. And I think all presidents at some level 
want to be a dictator and do not want the obstacles of Congress in their way. But at some point, when this relationship continues to spiral out of control and get more and more abusive, you'd think they'd start calling for a divorce. (laughs) I've been saying for a long time, I think it's, uh, you know, I think secession is necessary. Well, I've said it mainly from Texas because I live in Texas, but from the standpoint of we want to be wanting to live in a freer world. Um, and you, you would think that it's about time to start calling for a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is, has gotten, has, has gotten radically out of control on so many levels. And, and it, I don't know, maybe it's just the, how I pay attention nowadays and, and that's it. But it really does feel like these, there's no, there's, we're at a point of no return to where these people will never be on the same page ever. They're never going to agree on anything. They're never going to be satisfied. There's never going to be this common thread like candidate. It's just not going to happen. They're not, these are two different, these are different mindsets altogether. The, the, belief that the nation is benevolent in its approach and that it can do no wrong. And then the belief that the nation is pure evil and it can do no right. These are two totally opposite ends of the spectrum and they're growing. They're not shrinking. These, these things have probably always been there, but on the fringes in, in such a, in a small way, Um, and I honestly, number one, I don't believe they can compromise as they grow. So does the, the voices. So does how loud they get the size of their crowds continue to grow. The size of their influence continues to grow. And short of political prisoners, the state has no control over any of this. Frankly, I don't want them to get control of it. I just want to, I just want a divorce. That's it. So as you see these stories that are, that are running through about Antifa The ones that are violent are true believers. That's a very small percentage of the people. There are people that are giving cover for them. But for the most part, those are that's a very that's a small percentage of the group. It's not the entire group. Maybe like, I don't know, five, ten percent of the group. But they they look for cover in those numbers and in those shadows so people can't identify them behind their masks. But but it's beyond Antifa 
on the streets causing problems, which they do. I think a lot of their tactics are stupid. I think they're ridiculous in a lot of ways. A lot of uh, there are a lot of things that I think are ridiculous about them. I know people that are involved with them, eh. but I don't know that this person has ever done anything violent. So I, I can't go any further than that. But I think there's if you truly believe what you're saying, the some of the tactics make sense. But I really believed that these supporters of the Trump administration truly are Nazis, then you would want to stop them and silence them, but don't want them to have the power to recruit more people into their ranks. So it's it's crazy when you look at it you start really thinking about it and breaking it down within your head <laughs> that's the episode for today i just it was that story coming out and everything i was like this is this is really strange like when you when you're flipping it over on its head and and really examining the these people and what and how they truly believe that in some way, shape or form, they are going to fix these broken ideologies. These murderous ideologies suddenly aren't going to be murderous if they are in charge of them. And it's really, in, it's really quite hubris, but all right. Well, I appreciate y'all hanging with me, man. I'm sorry that we were late on this episode. I had quite a weekend, so um, ended up working till Sunday. Didn't get home till Sunday evening. So I appreciate y'all hanging out with me. That's all I got for you today. I'm Tommy Salmons. Late.